If, uh, if you happen to be here and it's your first time, we have been in a series entitled Four Skills Every Man uh, Needs to Succeed. And we've looked over the last couple of week, weeks at some of our skills. Our theme verse, it really comes from Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 10, uh, that says, If the axe is dull and its edge is unsharpened, more strength is needed, but with greater skill comes greater success. And the idea is if I'm a woodsman, if I'm a lumberjack or whatever, uh, and my axe is dull, uh, I have to spend more strength and more energy uh, to do the same amount of work, to cut down the tree, to split the wood, to whatever it is. However, if from time to time the woodsman, the lumberjack, uh, stops and sharpens his axe, he's not wasting his time, Right. Uh, it is not a waste of time to make sure that your axe is sharper. And so that's what we've been looking at over the last couple of weeks. And if you miss some of these, uh, these can be found online. Uh, week one and skill one, uh, I talked about the fact that we have to master our moods. We have to learn uh, how to not live life uh, on mountaintops and deep, dark valleys emotionally. Because what happens is not only is that hard on us, it's hard on our relationships, it's hard on those we work with, uh, and it will ultimately destroy us and destroy our careers. And we looked at uh, a couple of biblical examples of, uh, of guys that did not master their moods, and ultimately it destroyed their families and destroyed themselves and destroyed people. And so that's skill number one, is guys, we've got to learn to master our moods. Skill number two, if you want to look back on it, uh, was we have to learn to master our energy. We have to learn to uh, uh, get in a rhythm that God designed for us. Six days of work and on the seventh day rest. And what that rest means, obviously it's a spiritual rest, but it's also a physical rest. Now, there's always that debate, and you can go back and listen. We got into it a little bit of what can I do on Sunday and what can I not do on Sunday? And the reality of it is, first thing you definitely want to make sure is that at some point in your Sunday or in your Saturday, uh, you get time for worship, that you spend time uh, focusing on God and His Word. But if we look back in the Word and God's Word, when it says don't do work, it didn't mean you couldn't do anything. It just means don't work seven days a week. I mean, if mowing the yard is relaxing for you, go mow the yard on Sunday. If, uh, uh, if scrubbing the pool is uh, relaxing to you, in other words, do something you don't typically do. We have to give our mind, our body, and our spirit a break. And God created that. Six days we work, then there's a rest. Six days we work, then there's a rest. And we have to be careful, especially in today's society, that we don't end up working seven days a week, right? Because if we aren't careful, we could do that. I mean, you always have the computer at your, on your desk like I do. I can find myself working six days a week, seven days a week, in the morning, in the night, in the middle of the day, when I should be with my family, when I should be uh, somewhere else. I can be focused, uh, at least on my mind, on work. So managing our energy. Then uh, skill number three was to maximize our strengths and abilities. Every guy in here has different strengths and abilities. There's not a guy in here that's good at everything. And a lot of times we'll look around at someone that seems to be good at everything, but the reality of it is no one's good at everything. We have to find out what I'm good at, and then I have to maximize that. And today I want to talk to you about something that uh, probably is a skill uh, that we all know we need. It's probably a skill that we always told our kids they needed to do, but we never told them how to do it. A number of years ago, I heard a story 
about um, uh, about uh, uh, Bill Gates, the uh, founder of Microsoft, and Warren Buffett were at one of these big wig private business meetings. And they were one of these private business meetings, and you had different speakers going around and sharing things. And so they were sitting at this table, and uh, the speaker said, I want everybody in the room, because we're going to talk about these later at the private business, business meeting deal, I want everybody to write down, think about it right now, uh, take the card that I put on your table and write one word, one word on the card that makes you so successful. Well, now, you know, if, if you've got Warren Buffett in the room and you've got Bill Gates and others that are their peers, those are some pretty salty dudes, right? And uh, if you don't know anything, or if you don't know this over the years, Warren Buffett and uh, Bill Gates have developed a good relationship over the years in giving and donating. And it started at this business meeting. And this private business meeting where they're discussing, so they wrote, each wrote down something on a card. Then you were supposed to share it with the rest of the table. Bill Gates and Warren Buffett wrote the same word down on the card. And when they shared it, it was this word. Now, Bill Gates, software developer. Warren Buffett, best investor of all times. Anybody in here, price? somebody could have read the story. You want to know what the word was? Focus. Focus. They said, what's the secret to your success? Bill Gates said, I'm focused. In other words, I can walk in and I can focus on what I'm supposed to do. Warren Buffett, what makes you and your company so great is focus. That's the key. And so skill number four, guys, if we are going to maximize and become all that God wants us to be, is we've got to learn to focus. How many of you have kids? Do you ever sit there with your kids and you're trying to get them to do homework and you tell them focus? Especially in today's environment, put your phone down, turn the music off, pull the things out of your ears, don't stop talking to your... Focus, right? We tell our kids, if you want to succeed, you got to focus. Guy gets the guy's in the NBA, he stands on the, on the, on the free throw line. Uh, he's a great basketball player, but he shoots free throws at 65%. What are you doing? Just focus. It's just right there. None of those guys are guarding you, right? But they can't do it. Uh, a field goal kicker, right? All you do all week is kick that football right through those goalposts. But on Sunday, they can't do it. And what do you say? you got to focus, right? For us, it's the same thing. If we are going to succeed, guys, once we've learned to master our moods, once, once we've learned to develop our energy in the right way, uh, once we've learned to develop our strengths and abilities, if we don't focus... We will never be all God, all that God wants us to be. And so we've got to focus. Now, there, that means that there are times that we are focused on work. There are times that we are focused on our spiritual growth. There are times that we are focused on our families. All right. But if we fail to focus on any one of those, we will fail at all of those. And so I want to talk to you today about having focus and maintaining your focus. It's interesting. There's a study, been done a study out there by... I forget the name. It's in the Northeast. And what they, what they did is they took athletes and they began to examine athletes what made a person a superstar. And they, they, took, they, took, uh, um, they took samples from all different 
uh, sports. They had golfers in there. They had baseball players in there. They had uh, NBA basketball players. They had gymnasts in there. They had a lot of different people. And what they begin to do is to look at all the things that they did differently. And they begin to look at mechanics and stuff. And one of the things that they found is that the athlete that was a professional athlete that was even exceeded and excelled among other professional athletes, they had something called a quiet eye. Has anybody heard that phrase before? They had a quiet eye. And what the quiet eye is is if you're hitting a golf ball, all right, what's the difference between me going out there or somebody that's pretty good in here? I'm not good, but some of you guys are really good at golf. What's the difference between you hitting the ball and someone that is a professional golfer? It may not be your swing speed. It may not be uh, your mechanics. It may not be everything because you've been taught all those things. What they have determined, and this is looking at between professionals and the people who are really experts is something called a quiet eye. Is that the expert has the ability to focus on the object they are swinging at or what they are shooting at a little bit longer than the average person. What does that mean? Professional, a baseball player, right? How many of you seen baseball players? You know you got to keep your eye on the ball, right? Well, at some point, if you're going to hit the ball, your eye has to be on the ball at some point to swing at it, right? But what they found in all of doing all of these studies is that the, the guy who really was great, like your Mike Trouts, at hitting the ball, compared to all the other Major League Baseball players, held his eye on the ball about 62% longer. In other words, about 62%. Now, we are talking about, we're already talking about a half a second, Right? So 62% longer isn't that much. How many of you know what I'm talking about? All right. If a golfer is swinging, we're not talking about long, but what do we have a tendency to do with the hackers? We have a tendency to do what? That professional golfer is right there. And it's focus. And so today I want to talk to you a little bit biblically on maintaining your focus. And let me ask you a question. Are you focused in your life? Right now, as you head into the office or head off to do whatever you're going to do, are you focused on your priority for the day, on the most, most important thing that you can do today? Well, if not, we don't waste our time just to think about it and sharpen the axe just a little bit. All right, so let me jump in and give you a couple of thoughts. If you go to... Um, uh, Luke chapter 9, verse 62, and I'm going to take you all around. Notice one of the things that Jesus said uh, as we think about maintaining our focus. Jesus said this, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. As you think about, um, as you think about that, what is Jesus saying? If you're really going to serve God, what do you have to do? You have to focus, right? He says, No one who puts his hand to the plow... And then turns around and looks back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Now, there's a whole greater context of what Jesus is saying there. But the analogy is correct. If you're going out to plow a field, or if you send your teenage son out to plow a field, and they are not focused, how does your field end up plowed? Like this, right? 
You can't, you can't plow a field by looking in the rearview mirror or turning around. That's exactly what he's saying. And, and here's another thing, guys. Um, as we think about where we are in our life, there was a season uh, years ago when everybody, uh, almost everybody, were agrarians in nature. All right? And truly... Uh, they worked hard. I mean, it was manual labor, everything you did. But today, more and more, what is it? We're moving from the manual to the mental, right? And a lot of, a lot of it has to do with focus. There are some guys in here that are in construction. But uh, uh, guess what construction is today? A lot of computers, a lot of, a lot of math, a lot of different things. We have all kinds of different things that are going on. So we need to understand, certainly we have to work hard. But a lot of what is required today is mental focus. You've got to be focused. You've got to know what the plans say. You've got to read the budget. You've got to focus things. And when you go into the office, my guess is there aren't many of you that are going to be paid by how much you can lift, right? You're going to be paid by how much you can focus and how much you can do. And so Jesus kind of says, hey, listen, uh, you can't even serve God good if when you put your hand to the plow, you're constantly looking back. And it goes the same way. You can't be as good as you need to be at the office. I can't be as good as I need to be at the office if I can't figure out how to focus. And so let me give you a couple of thoughts uh, today on really learning to focus and living out our focus. Um, first thing, what are the, what are the distractions today uh, that we have? Social media, uh, cell phones, texting, uh, boy, office gossip, uh, surfing the web, emails, uh, co-workers dropping by, meetings, uh, unneeded breaks, all of those things break our focus. Uh, so how do, I, how do I keep my focus? Look at what Paul said in, in, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16. He says, watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them. Because if you do, you will save both yourself and others. What is he saying? Hey, persevere. You have to persevere. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 13, talking about the product. And this is spiritually, but it also applies physically as well. Uh, he says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 13. He says, their work will ultimately be shown for what it is. Because the day at some day will be brought to light. It will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test the quality of every man's work. If what he has built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is ultimately burned up, the builder will suffer loss. But yet that builder will be saved even though as by the flames. So what are those two passages saying? When it comes to our spiritual walk, uh, there's going to be a testing. We have to stay focused. If we are a child of God, we've got to be focused on sound doctrine. We've got to be focused on reaching the lost. We've got to be focused on uh, being the kind of person God wants me to be if I'm going to grow up. If I'm going to do something for God, he says, ultimately what I do for God will be tested uh, as a man. And it will be found out whether what I've done for God is wood, hay, and stubble, which that is kind of code for what I did for God, I really did for me. Or, on the other end, what I did for God, I really truly did for God. And he's saying, we've got to stay focused. Because if we aren't careful, even serving God, we'll find ourselves serving God for the purpose of ultimately benefiting ourselves. And I can tell you, in the ministry, we have to worry about that. We have to worry about that I don't do certain things just because it benefits me. 
I've got to be a shepherd of the flock. It's the same thing with you when you're serving God, when you head off to the office. You have to know, and I want you to know this. You've heard me say this a lot. If you're a first-timer here, you're going to hear this over and over again. You are heading into the ministry today. Justin and I will stick around at the church and take naps. All right? Y'all are headed to the ministry today. Whether you're retired, whether you're, uh, uh, whether you're in, so all you're going to do is play golf, uh, or whether you're going to enjoy your life, or whether you're going to work, whatever you do today, guys, you guys are going to the ministry. You are going to be salt and light. You are going to be a gospel witness in your workplace, in your season, in your town, in your space, in your area. And as such, the best thing you can do when it comes spiritually is to stay focused. Man, don't get drawn off sides into different places that don't really matter if someone wants to engage you in a spiritual conversation. Stay focused. But also, there's a practical measure. Man, that whatever we do, Colossians chapter 3 says, we don't do it for our earthly employers or our earthly masters. We are instead serving God. Therefore, Paul said in Colossians chapter 3, do it heartily, is the King James word, or do it mightily. Do it to your best. And the only way we can do it to our best is we've got to stay focused. We've we've got to stay focused if we're going to be that good. So let me give you six ideas. um, And I'm going to share, wrap these around some biblical ideas that we see. Uh, Let me give you six ideas of maintaining your focus uh, at work or in your neighborhood or wherever you are that will make you more productive. Uh, Number one is every day you have to know your why. I have to know my why. Why am I here? Why did God put me here? Why did God put me in this family? Why did God put me in this, uh, in this church? Why did God put me in this position? Why am I good at this? Uh, you've got to know your why. Now, now certainly there's a, there's a very practical measure as to knowing uh, your why. Uh, man, why do I do what I'm doing? There's a foundation guy in here. Why? Because foundations crack. And his job is to make them not crack, right? Uh, or repair them after we've got an air conditioning guy in here. Uh, we need air con- How many of you know we need air conditioning right now? What's his, what's, what's his why? Part of his why is to keep air conditionings running. But his also his why is what? To provide for his family. Let's don't get around. Let's don't, you know, shirk that responsibility. I want to do my job the best I can because I want to be able to provide for my family. That's a why. Uh, I want to be able to build the kingdom of God. That's a why. I want to be successful in my job so I can build the kingdom of God. Uh, your why might also be, and then after I've taken care of my family, I've done a good job, and I've built the kingdom of God, I want to buy a boat. And there's nothing wrong with that, guys. If you want to buy a nice house or a nice boat, there is nothing wrong with that. So as you head off to the office today, know your Why? Why are you doing what you're doing? And once we know our why, it'll help us focus a little better. Look at what Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3 says. It says, commit to the Lord whatever you do, and He will establish your plans. Man, whatever you do. Guys, whatever you do, commit it to God. Say, God, you know, I'm an engineer and I'm going to give it to you today. Or I'm, I'm in IT and I'm going to give it to you today. I'm retired, God, and uh, I don't have the same requirements I used to, but I'm going to give my day to you because I want to serve you. God. Commit your plans to the Lord and let Him make sure they succeed.
What does that mean? I'm knowing my why. Why am I here? Because I want to be successful for God. In the process, I want to provide for my family. I want to build God's kingdom. uh, And I want to do some other things. And that's part of knowing my why. Here's another idea of knowing your why. Why am I here? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 to 10. Uh, It says, for it is by grace. Go back to verse 8. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. That not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. That none of us should boast. How many of you know we're saved not by any of our works, but by grace and by faith? Man, that's when we're saved. But then God says, notice if you jump down to verse 10, he says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God created us to do in advance. Man, that's a why. What is he saying? Why did God save you? Well, how did God save you? By God's grace. Why did he save you? To do good works, right? That is a why. How many of you understand that's a why? That's when we come to church. That's a why. We had a ministry fair a couple of weeks ago. There were a lot of possible whys. This is some of the things that I'm going to do. How I'm going to do it. But when you and I go to the office today, when we work, we have to know our why. Why am I here? And if I know why I'm here, then I'm better off. If, If you've got employees at your office who don't know why they're here, they're never going to be very successful. You know, if uh, we got contractors in here, man, what do you need your framers to do? I need my framers to frame, right? If, you, if, you're, in, if you're in the business, what do, I need, what do I need the plumber to do? I need my plumbers to plumb, right? Uh, I need my roofers to roof. I need my air conditioning people to air condition. That's the why, right? That's why they're here. You, you and I need to go to the office today or live our life today knowing our why, Why am I doing what I'm doing? Here's a second thought on maintaining your focus. He says, plan your week. Uh, It says, plan your week according to your top three priorities. Uh, I I was looking at a lot of stuff um, on, man, how do you you plan your week? And uh, the best I could come up to to is everybody should have basically uh, three priorities every week. That's max. Matter of fact, Bill Gates said one. I was reading some of the big dogs. How many priorities do you have every week? He said, you know, Bill Gates, one of his statements was, um, you can't build a great IT company if you focus on anything but IT. He said one thing. Our job is to come in here and write code, right? That's kind of what they do. And so whatever you're doing, you can have up to three things. I would encourage you. He said, write them down. Write them down. What are my three things? Uh, it might be a project. I have one project I'm working on. And I'm going to get in there and I'm going to get after it and I'm going to do it. I've got one project. I've got one job or I've got one report. Um, and you've got to design your week. You've got to design your work week around those priorities. And you can't have a 100. For me, when I design my week, here's what I know. Regardless, and part of ministry is it is completely unplanned. There are a lot of things that we do to plan, but here is what I have noticed. I don't know if y'all have noticed. Um, people don't care what my schedule looks like to have a heart attack or to die, right? They, when they go into the hospital or when they have a car wreck, they don't plan around my schedule. So what do I have to do? 
I have to know my priorities. Here's what I do know when coming, coming basically for priority is I've got to be ready to preach on Sunday morning. Kind of the only day I work. So I've got to be ready for that. If I miss that, I've wasted a whole week, right? So I've got to begin to plan things out. So I have to back my week up to know that it's 20 hours. At some point, I've got to spend 20 hours to make sure that I am ready to preach on Sunday morning. Then there are a couple of other things that I have to do. Teach Tuesday morning Bible study. I know that's going to take a certain measure of time. So when do I do that? These guys know that on Monday afternoon, I walk out of here. And usually well into the night, I'm prepping for what I'm going to say here. Why? Because it comes... Tuesday comes out two days after Sunday. That means Monday is when I focus on this. That's the way the work work week works for me. Then there are different meetings. There are different things. Then all of a sudden, if you plan in, something crazy happens. Same thing in your life. Have you planned your week to get the most important things done first? Or do you find yourself taking home work that you could have done when you were at the office? Because you lost focus. So plan your week accordingly. As I thought about uh, that principle, uh, doing your most important things first, Proverbs chapter 12, verse 11, here's what it says. It says, those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies have no sense. Well, as I thought about that passage and then I thought about planning your work week or planning your life around your top three priorities. And by the way, if you're retired, you should do this anyway. When you're retired, what are my top three priorities this week? Right. To to build my family, build my kingdom, build the kingdom of God and enjoy and have some fun. Those are your top three. Those can be legitimate top three priorities. But I love those words. Those who work their land and have abundant food uh, will do well. But those who simply chase fantasies have no sense. What is he saying? The farmer who should be toiling, tilling the field up and and planting seed uh, and uh, getting ready to harvest. If all he does is sits around and talks about planting seed and uh, water in the land, guess what? He's chasing fantasies, right? And there are a lot of people, if you're you're young in the workforce, there are a lot of people who sit around and talk about doing work. Are you the person that's going to go get it done? And so plan your week and plan your day, whether you're in the workforce or whether you're retired, around your top three priorities. Here's another thing I ran across that I was doing a lot of study on maintaining our focus. Take care of your body. thought it was interesting, a lot of the studies I was reading, that if we want to have better mental focus, the best thing you can do is take care of your body. So take care of your body physically and spiritually, if you want to put it that way. We talked a couple of weeks ago uh, about having a spiritual rest. But it's interesting, if you look at the correlation, if you want to focus, take our kids, for example. Uh, Is it any wonder why they sit around and uh, uh, pound sugar all day and then they can't sit down and focus? Why? Because their blood sugar is doing this, right? The more you take care of your body, the more you work well, the more you're going to be able to stay focused. And so take care of your body. If you don't think exercise matters, exercise matters. Why? Because you'll get the opportunity to serve God and His kingdom and at the office longer and longer. So I want to encourage you, if you're going to stay focused, uh, exercise. Here was a, one statement that, a, uh, uh, that I ran across by a guy. He says, a tired, pain-ridden, sleep-deprived body 
is a recipe for no productivity at the office. A tired, pain-ridden, sleep-deprived body physically is a recipe for no production at the office. How many of you know what he's talking about? Take care of your body. Believe it or not, if you take care of your body physically, you are going to ultimately perform better at the office. That's a skill. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 4. Uh, here's what Solomon says. He says, A sluggard's appetite is never filled, but the desires of the diligent, or that word diligent in other translations, is called disciplined, will be truly satisfied. The more disciplined we are, with our bodies, the more successful we are with our minds. So I want to encourage you, if you want to be focused and if you want to be more skillful at the office, don't forget the physical. Here's a forethought, all right? A forethought on maintaining your focus and being better, uh, better at the office. Um, keep, undestruct, uh, keep unproductive distractions out. Keep unproductive distractions out. I talked about those uh, a little bit earlier. Boy, today with social media, and uh, I've read in the last week or two a number of articles. Uh, and they all have some of the same things up in the top of the list, but they adjust them. Survey of, y'all have seen these surveys, how much efficiency is lost by employees at the office? How many of you read those studies over the year? And then what are the common distractions? And there's always some things at the top. Right now, it's the fact that people can not only can be looking at their computer, and if you don't go see what's on the screen, they could be on social media, they could be surfing the web, right? They could be texting, they could be uh, doing that. Uh, that happens every once in a while in the church setting. One, uh, it was last week, I was walking out and walking down by the facilities, um, down the facilities hall, and um, I just saw one of our facilities guys sitting in there, and by the way, they can't work all the time, but I walked in, just said hello, and I'm standing next to his computer, and I just noticed he closed a browser. Now, here's what I know, because of, he, he was not looking at naked ladies, because you can't do that on our servers here at the church, but although... I walked in the room, and I wasn't coming in for any other reason than to say hello. But what did he just acknowledge? Nah, probably wasn't working that hard, right? Now, our facilities guys, a lot of times, just so, so you don't throw them under the bus, is they have to sit around and wait for these tables to be taken down after joyous lunches. So you've got to have four guys standing on there because we've got to flip it over, right? Because the next event is coming. BSF is coming the next day. So there are times they get to go sit down. But the point is, it happens in your office too, doesn't it? With your employees. But it's probably not just those who work for us. It's probably us. That if we aren't careful, we can get distracted. And so block out those unproductive distractions. Make sure that you do the right thing at the right time. I love what Proverbs chapter 14, verse 23 says, All hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. I think today, in today's environment, we can... Uh, we could probably tag this on. All hard work brings profit, but social media will waste your time. Or all hard work brings profit, but texting your buddies all the time is a waste of time. Or all hard work 
brings profit, but just constantly surfing the web isn't ultimately going to make you more productive, right? What is he saying? Solomon is sitting there. uh, What was he saying? So Solomon is the wisest man who's ever been. He says, I've seen people over with all these pastures, and I notice that a lot of guys over here, they sit around and talk about doing a lot of work, but they don't do a lot of work. And he says there's a difference between talking about doing a lot of work and doing a lot of work. And he goes, because all hard work ultimately leads to profit. And so, guys, we have to be sure that we eliminate all the unproductive uh, things, those things that are out, those social media, the cell phones, the texting, the gossip, all of the junk. Remember what I talked to you about, that quiet eye? When you think about the millisecond, the difference that Mike Trout is able to keep his eye on the baseball just that much longer than someone who's just really, really, really good in the MLB. It doesn't take much. My guess is a lot of us, if we were honest, if we just worked a few more minutes a day, I'm talking about like 20 minutes, dedicated, focused minutes a day, we would be way more productive, right? Way more productive. Or just 30 minutes more a day. So here's number five. You ready? Number five on how to stay focused. Start your day with intention. As you think about right now where you are, start your day by being totally focused. Start it with intention. Um, And here's how you answer that question as I was reading through. Here's the best thing. If I could only do one thing today, here's how you figure out what your best intention is. If I could only do one thing today that would have the most impact positively, On my family or at the office or with my God, what would be the most important thing I could do? One thing. Don't roll into this day with 20 things you can do. What's the most important thing that you could do today? When you head into the office, what's the most important thing you can do? Is there a project? Is there a report that you have to get done? Is there a job you need to work on? Uh, And uh, then when you walk into the house, what's the most important thing that I can do when I walk into the house at night? What's the most important thing I can do? Perhaps it's, I need to come home and the first thing I need to do is communicate to my wife and my family how much I love them. That'd be the most important thing. How many of you know what I'm saying? Then the other things can fall important. What's the most important thing you can do? I would encourage you as you think about maintaining your focus, list out at the job, at my job, what's the most important thing I can do? And then go do that with my family. What's the most important thing I could do today with my family, uh, with my finances, with my spiritual walk, with my journey? Start every day off with intention. What is the most important thing I can do today? As, um, uh, here was a practical thing that people gave. Uh, those who had done many and found this in multiple sources of work productivity. Uh, if you get the opportunity to uh, schedule your day. Now, sometimes, depending on where you are in your life, uh, is uh, you need to understand that, that you have to go with someone else's schedule. If you're at the bottom of the org chart, someone else determines your, determines your schedule. But if, someone, if you get the opportunity to determine your own schedule, uh, productivity study after productivity study has said this to be true. In your mornings, do your work. Save the meetings and emails and communications for the afternoon. Because as you move through your day, 
other people are going to start getting distracted and they're going to want to communicate with you and they're going to start getting off work before you. So what do you do? It says spend your morning. Don't schedule a bunch of meetings in your morning. Spend your morning focusing on work. In the afternoon, that's when you're supposed to do your meetings and your communication and your emails. Here's number six on maintaining your focus at the office. Learn to say no to the wrong things. Learn to say no to the wrong things. Simple question. What do you just need to say no to? What do you just need to say no to? I can't do that. Or I shouldn't do that. And I'll tell you, in my job, that, that is the hardest thing we face. is to say no. Because whatever's going on in someone's life is the most important thing in the world to them. But when you're sitting here with 5,000 members of the church who all have something important, God, you've got to say no. Does that make sense? You've got to say no. And you're the same way. What do you need to say no to? Are there things in your life that I have to say no? Well, what constitutes a no? If it doesn't benefit my family, if it doesn't benefit my character or my integrity, if it doesn't benefit in my spiritual journey or my work, then I should say no. If it doesn't benefit my friends and my family, I should say no. Now, there are times that once all that other stuff is in order, that I say yes because I know I'm called to it by God. But a lot of people can't say yes to God because they've said yes to everything else in their life. Does that make sense? I want to say that again. A lot of people can't say yes to God because they've said yes to everything else in their life. And the best thing some of us could do would be to start saying no to some things so we can give our yeses to the right things. So guys, as you think about heading out here, focus. Focus on the most important thing. When Jesus was asked, what was the most important commandment in the law? Pharisees who were asking, they had developed, they had taken the Ten Commandments and developed them into 613 commandments. They were saying, which of the 613 commandments uh, were, is the most important? Jesus narrowed it down. He said, focus on these two things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul. And love your neighbor as yourself. Guys, when all of your life comes back and you analyze it right now, have you focused on loving God lately? Have you focused on loving your neighbors lately? If not, we need to focus. And with focus comes greater produce and productivity. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for these guys. Thank you for the new guys. Uh, God, as we head off at the office, let us live focused today on the right things and the best things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.